0: Hi, I'm Shanna. Welcome to Pro Organizer Marketing Made Simple. Each week we'll dive into simple, effective ways to attract new clients for your professional organizing business. Let's jump in. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is fun. This um, I have been so excited to talk with you. Just to tell you a little bit about me and kind of why I'm in this space is that I have been in marketing and business development for nearly my entire career, which has been about 20 years. And my passion has always been in service-based small business and particularly working with female service-based small business owners. And so over the last couple of years, my marketing agency has just kind of evolved into now I ho- I help a lot of professional organizers. Wow. So I was like, let's just go official. I renamed my podcast that I started a website called proorganizermarketing.com and was just like, I'm excited to be on this path. So let's just call it what it is. So I have been deep in the pro organizing world for a couple of years now, and I came across your books, your blog, your books, and loved what you had to say. And something that really caught my attention and thought, well, we, you know, we need to talk about this on my podcast is that I was reading through a blog post of yours. And I think it was about your new book and, um, It's called Organizing for the Rest of Us. I I bought it at Target, my local Target. And what caught my eye was a blog post that said um, you had made the decision or you and your publishing team made the decision instead of naming your blog. So author of or creator of um, A Slob Comes Clean, you made it author of Decluttering at the Speed of Life, which is your previous book. And the comment that you made was that it made it like 100% more giftable by just changing that aspect. And I was like, that is so brilliant because nobody, you might buy something for yourself that kind of references slob, but you know, you're not going to give your mother-in-law probably (laughs) a book that says that.
1: And I was like, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, it was a. It's tough because, so I don't know if you know much of my story, but my story is that I just wanted to be a writer. Like this okay. was back in two thousand and nine. I wanted to yep. be a writer. My house was a total disaster, and I kept trying to get my house under control so then I could like justify putting my time and energy into writing. Yep. And um, I can do it. Like I couldn't do it. Like I would try and I would try. And I'm a project person. Like, I'm going to throw myself into things. I can figure things out. I feel very competent in other areas of life. And so I had always assumed that once I was, you know, a stay at home mom and would have nothing else to do, um, <laughs> that I would, like, oh, well, I'll just figure out housekeeping like I did with, you know, with my jobs and my careers and things. Sure. And so um, it didn't happen. And in fact, it, it, I really, it was the thing that broke me. I mean, it was the thing that made me go, there's something wrong with me. Like I can't do this. I don't know what is wrong with me. I try, I try. So starting a blog back in 2009, was a compromise for me of, okay, I can write, learn about blogging. Cause you know, blogging was a new thing back then. Yes. Anyway. I, I, I
0: remember blogging myself 2008, yes. 2009, there were like the blogger
1: conferences and, oh, yeah. and all of that sort of stuff. Exa- yeah. I went to the one that was in Dallas. I went to that one, but yeah, I, so I wanted to do this and this was my compromise. I'll figure out my house and this will like keep me focused. Cause I always thought, well, I'm just not focused enough, you know, mm. and, and I just, I don't stick with it long enough or something. Um, and so I started that thinking it was going to be temporary practice, like a couple of months, I'll have this all figured out. And then I'll write about stuff. I'm actually you know competent to write about And <laughs> uh-huh, it's 2022 right now. And <laughs> Um, the jokes nope. on me. So, but, but what I realized over time, you know, I, I, used the word slob, but I also wrote under a pseudonym back then. Like I, I call my, yeah. yeah, I call myself noni short for anonymous because this was my deep, dark secret. Like this was right. thing that I was so ashamed of. I didn't tell anybody was what it, anybody, what I was doing. I didn't tell my husband what I was doing. I mean, like I was embarrassed. I didn't want anyone Mm. to know this was my big struggle. Mm. So, um, but I realized over time how powerful it was that I used the word slob. I mean, I put myself in this situation where I had called myself a slob, even though not to anybody I knew, you know, and it was like, there's nothing worse to call yourself. I mean, like that is the word I had avoided my whole life. I had justified and said, I'm not a slob. I mean, I, you Mm. know, I, all these different times that I had said, no, 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 I'm not a slab, And I finally was just like, you know what? I'm going to stop pretending and I'm just going to figure this thing out and I'm going to stop pretending it's not that bad. And it really was powerful because over time, first of all, I thought I was the only person in the world who struggled like I did. And it turned out that there are a lot of women who struggle the way that I do. And yeah. as they started to interact with me and say, this is how my brain works. I saw that they were highly creative people. And I was like, wait a minute. Okay. So this slob thing in our brain and this highly creative way of seeing the world that, you know, not everybody sees it that way. Yeah. Those two things are related. And so a lot of that helps me into this time place of self-acceptance of realizing, okay, this is how my brain works. My brain works differently from the naturally organized person. And so I don't have to feel like a failure when Reading right. advice from an organized person just sounds like a foreign language to me because I'd be like, What? You know, or I would try to implement something and I was like, it just doesn't work for me, you know. So all those right. um all that came together, and so that word slob was really important, and so many people are like, It's been important for them as well, but now we're in a different place, you know. I mean, I'm they wanted to call this a gift book, and I'm like, Well, you can't gift it when it says slob on it. So Um, which is, a, it's, it's hard because in some ways it feels like I'm not being true to, Mm. you know, this, this identity that I accepted and that a lot of people have rallied around and said, yes, me too. Um, but I do think it's important because we got to get the word out to more people who aren't quite there yet, you know? Yes.
0: Well, I think you addressed it in a really great way because just hearing your story, um, and, and having read your blog and having kind of followed that journey, um, it sounds like you accepted it, embraced it. And now you've moved on to in the sense that that's still reality, but you're also just, you know, five steps ahead of
1: where you were when you accepted it and, and embraced it. Yeah. And. Even calling myself a decluttering expert, you know, that was, that was a big step for me. And it's probably been six or seven years ago that I finally was like, no, I am a decluttering expert. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know how to do this because I had to work through it in my own home. Right. And then I've shifted with the books, which I think I, my first one came out in 2016. So it's been a while, yeah. but with the shift into writing books, it was like, okay, now I'm teaching this. And so right. that's, that's a different that's a different thing. In the beginning, I was figuring it out, and that still lives there. You know, like you said, well, you used to blog, and you know, some people will say, "Do you still have that blog up there?" And I'm like, "Yeah," because people are reading it all the time. Yes, need to know that I actually understand. Well, and you're meeting people at various stages too. So when I started
0: reading through your blog. Um, I think it was your methods. It was the methods navigation. And then um, if I'm understanding it correctly, there were some that were kind of early days, like here's kind of how you, how I got started. And here's like, there are people that are still there that need to read that. And so you're, you're doing a service by keeping all of those things up there because then people can follow along with you and make that journey with you.
1: And the person who is completely hopeless, which is who I consider to be my target audience because that was me. I was like, I tried everything. It doesn't work. I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. Yeah. Um, they are skeptical yeah. that there's actually something that can help them because yeah. they failed so many times before.
0: Right. And that's what I was going to say too, is that they've probably tried every... Every tactic, every um, you know, organization system, every methodology, but it just didn't work within the framework of what made sense in their own minds and in their own houses, and so it, it just takes coming at it from a different perspective. And you offer that perspective, which is really interesting, because a lot of the stuff that's out there, um, even just like the messaging and um, uh, you know tips, it's it tends to be kind of organized people, naturally organized people talking to other naturally organized people and kind of geeking out on certain things, which is super fun, but I could see how it would be really disenfranchising, um, to people that are like, how do I just get started <laughs> or, exactly. Or, I and mean, one love- of my, Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I, you know, I'd love to, you know, hand roll my teeny tiny underwear into color coded, you know, whatever, but how do I just, how do I walk through my, you know, my bedroom first without tripping over
1: 14 piles of laundry? Exactly. I mean, I think that's, that right there is the issue is, um, I mean, one of my standard jokes at speaking events that always gets a good laugh is like, I was always, I would look at traditional organizing advice and I was lost on page three. Like I would look at their before pictures and think, yeah, that's my dream after picture. So we're not starting at the same place. You can't even imagine my actual starting place, which then means that I don't think these methods are going to work. Like I've got a ton of work to do that I felt like I had to figure out on my own before I can even get to the point where what you're teaching will help me. Right. Yeah. And I love...
0: Um, I love how you broke it down um, in the first, the first little bit of your book, you broke it down into um, cleaning routines and like the layers. It was the layers that really stood out to me. Um, Yes. Understand the layers of a clean house. And that first layer being the um, kind of the clutter that exists, the second layer being the daily stuff, and then the third layer being the actual like deep clean that has to happen. Um, and I think that makes so much sense. And people just don't understand it. I think we all just kind of get busy in our own lives, our own daily lives. Um, and we just think, well, our house, our house is dirty. Um, but not understanding that once you get to the point of actually decluttering and setting up systems for your daily stuff, then honestly, scrubbing the tub doesn't take that long. I remember I didn't have the words for it at this time, but I remember in grad school, I cleaned people's houses for cash on Fridays because I didn't have class. And I had, I had friends that were kind of a decade older than us. And so they were at a place where they could pay someone to clean their house. So I would clean their houses and then their friends' houses So some of them, I didn't know, Um, but I remember there was always this joke, like, I've got to clean before the cleaning lady comes. And I'm like, you're not cleaning.
1: You're picking up. (laughs) Well, I mean, what you're saying is, is where I feel like my role in this world of talking about this stuff is like, this is me. I'm here as the translator because the problem is you've got, you have the people like me have had conversations with what I call their normal friends, you know, which is a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. I read that. I read that in your blog too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Like we would have conversations with our friends whose houses looked great all the time, who like we could come over without any notice. And there weren't just like piles everywhere. And the kitchen was under control, you know, and these same people would make these comments about, "Oh, hi! I hate cleaning. I never clean. I never clean." And we're like, "What are you talking about?" Because your house looks great, and right. my house, that I feel like I'm cleaning all the time. Like I feel like I'm constantly working. It never looks any better. And if you knock on my door unannounced, I will literally drop to the floor and like hide in a closet. <laughs> like no coffee. one move. Don't breathe in. Don't breathe out. <laughs> I, I mean, really. And so it's like. What are we? And, and the the issue here is the layers of a clean house. They don't have clutter. Right. I thought I, I when I would say I need to clean. Well, I wasn't actually cleaning. I was first having to get rid of the clutter, which was really just stuff shifting. I was moving it from one room right. to another room. If it doesn't, and have home, then yep. Right, and then I was catching up on the daily stuff. So I would start in my kitchen, and I would wash every single dish because every single dish was dirty. Right. And it was like, I was spent and I was, my energy was gone by the time I had cleaned up the kitchen. And then I never actually got to the other stuff. And so, and yet my house still didn't look good, you know? And so it was like, so it was this, uh, there, there's that disconnect of like, what are we talking about here? Like, why is it that this doesn't make sense to me? And I feel like that's where I come in is because I'm like, Oh, okay. I figured it out. Y'all, this is the deal. <laughs> they're right. not talking about the same thing we're talking about. But somebody needed to be able to say that because the person who says they don't clean all the time. Or they're they doing something. Right. Their, they mean it. I mean, they really right. do. They're saying, oh, I don't clean my bathtub. And sometimes I'll be surprised. Like, I know my mother in law um, was great. Her house was always under control. But I remember one time um, being at her house, I'm like, I want to go take a bath. And the bathtub was kind of grimy. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like the, her house was always clean, and it was like, well, her house was always picked up. She was yep, never yep. behind on her daily stuff, and so you didn't notice stuff like that. And so, right. her house looked perfectly fine. She could have people in at any time. Yep. But she also didn't scrub the bathtub, but she could get away with that for a lot longer. It wasn't a bathtub anybody ever really used. Right. You know what right. I mean? Right. Like, and so it, it's just that disconnect, and that's where that's where I come in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I feel like your, um, your
0: resources, your, your blogs, your books, your blog, singular, um, but your blog posts plural, mm-hmm. because there's tons of them. Um, are you in the 200s, 300s?
1: I have no idea. Anymore. I mean, I it's a several thousand at least. Yeah. I mean, because I've been, oh, because podcasts were two, 300, like you have yes. a ton, a ton of resources on your website. So many words that I have spoken. Yes. Yes, it's kind of shocking. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what I think is great is that um,
0: this this might this might seem like a stretch initially, but hopefully I can kind of make this make sense because it makes sense in my brain, is that what I see your resources doing is kind of bridging the gap of being able to, as a professional organizer, maybe reading these resources and materials, being able to then communicate with their clients. Because what I see as being a particular challenge is that professional organizers communicate like they're communicating sometimes with just their other naturally organized friends. And that's not always the people that are going to be hiring a professional organizer. And so a lot of what i end up doing is talking through you know how do we you know how do we talk about pro organizing as something that is accessible and attainable and something that you want to get started on and you want to hire someone to help you with if it's not your natural tendency and i feel like your your resources give a lot of um kind of the, bridging that gap of language
1: yeah no i i agree i'm i've even from the very beginning, when people would say, Oh, okay. I'm understanding something that I've heard before, but I've never understood it. Or people have casually referenced it as if everybody knows, and now you've explained it and I get it. So I kind of see myself as the translator on yeah. that. Um, you know, I always give the example of the one-in-one out rule yes. that like organized people are born knowing, and I can remember the first time I heard that rule referenced, and I remember it, it was in a, a, like a mom's group or something when my kids were little and there was a speaker and somebody says, what about like when you buy a new pair of socks? And she said, Oh, just one in one out. And everybody else in the room went, oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I went, <laughs> but I had no idea what she was talking about. Like I literally thought to myself, that doesn't even make sense because what good does it do to get rid of a pair of socks? When I get a new pair of socks, my sock door doesn't close anyway. Like mm-hmm. that is how my brain worked. And so it was like, right. until I actually like what I call the container concept, which is the yes. thing, like I hear from pro- professional organizers who will tell me, okay, now I understand why they <laughs> like, I would tell them something, my client something, and they would like just glaze over. And it, it's like, I, I couldn't get them to understand. And it's like, yeah. I did not know what containers were for. I just knew organized people liked them and they put stuff in them. So I would buy them and i would put stuff in it. And my house didn't look anything like it. I wasn't using a container as a limit. Like, and, Brian. and that, when I work with other people, the container concept changes everything. Like it literally changes everything about how you go about this process because you don't have to make value decisions anymore. And I would get paralyzed by value decisions on what if, and do I like it? Or, you know, all those things go out the window. It's just, does it fit? I mean, it's like of- not shoved in, but does it fit? Right. Yeah. Like kind of like a policy just kind of removes
0: the emotion yeah, from it. Like I can't buy any more books because I have this, you know, I have these two bookshelves and if they're full, I'm not going to buy more bookcases So I have to limit my books to what can fit
1: in my house. Yeah. Well, and, and when I'm working with another person, it's such a freedom thing to get to blame the container. Yes. And, and it lets me, every answer gets to be, yes, you want to buy a new book? Absolutely. Which book are you going to get rid of to make room for this one? It's not me saying that you have too many books which I honestly think is the main reason why people hesitate people who desperately need it, hesitate to hire someone to help them because they are afraid they're going to be judged. They're afraid they are going to be questioned on things. We're like, I don't know why I like it so much. I don't know why I keep it, but the container gets to be the bad guy. So you want to keep it, you can keep it, but you can't keep everything. So what are you willing to get rid of in order to have room for this? And then that way there's not that value judgment, going on because I mean I was the I was a theater arts teacher so I mean I could literally find a use for everything. I mean sure, like sure I mean, anything anything could be repurposed anything could be used and and yet people who don't think that way would be like what why would you need that and you know sometimes I was in the mood to be funny about it and explain and sometimes it would just make me hold on tighter because I'm like I shouldn't have to explain this to you. You're not me. And, you know, so it's that, it's that power struggle that happens And the container, understanding the container concept takes away that power struggle. Right. Well, I feel like, um, being able to share tips
0: about those kind of high level things, like the three layers of clean, the container concept and some, uh, Uh, just kind of awareness and education pieces like that can really help, um, capture attention or create visibility for people that maybe want to have a more organized life, a less stressful home, uh, Mm -hmm. but really just kind of don't know where to start. And Mm -hmm. so that's what, that's what we end up recommending a lot is sharing content and sharing social media graphics that share simple tips like that, because you're, you're kind of casting a net of, look what your life could be like, even mm-hmm. if you don't know where to get started. Yeah. I have a question for you. You mentioned um, when you're working with others. And um, so I was wondering, have you have you gone through, um, you, have you offered services as an organizer or what do you mean by that?
1: So or kind what are you people? Yeah, so what I do, um, I do not as a business, go into people's homes and have them hire me to, yeah. I get asked to do that a lot. And I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah. But the reality of my business model is that I teach. And so it, it you know, as I explained to people, I'm like, I can't, you know, if I do that, I can spend a whole day doing this, or I can spend it creating content that then reaches, you know, a lot of people. And exactly. I'm also the person who, like there is such power in working through the pain of decluttering your own stuff that will then change how you really, you know, so there's a lot more value for me in that. What I do is I will do coaching sessions on my podcast. Um, and so I do, uh, I would say one or two of those a month, um, where we go through and we talk through their decluttering challenges. I also, um, last summer, and then I'm going to be starting to do it again. Um, I will go into people's homes who are willing to be on YouTube. Okay. (laughs) And I call it a one hour better session because my whole, um, decluttering process is, I'm not sure if you've gotten to that part in the book, but it's the whole, um, declutter without making a bigger best mess. Meaning we have progress and only progress and we're never like left worse off than we were before. So we don't pull everything out. that means that in any amount of time you can make an impact. And so, um, so I'll go into somebody's home and we will work for one hour. Like we set the timer, we start the camera and we work for an hour. Of course we edit it down and don't put the whole hour on, on YouTube. Sure. But, um, but I do that as a, you know, as a teaching thing, like I'm willing to come and help you. Yep. Um, but it's, it's a teaching thing. And so it, it needs yep. to go out and, um, it's been really fun. and, and, It's very helpful for people because they see, oh, if I will work for one hour, I can make a huge impact on my home. If I'm following the no mess method, you know, like if, if we pull everything out and we work for an hour, well, then you've got all these things left to do and you can't actually, but like my whole thing is you work for an hour, you step away. There's nothing left to do. It's either in the trash or in your recycling bin or your donate box or it's in its home, its final home. Cause you've made that decision through the decluttering process. Well, um,
0: yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, and that is so much more, um, feasible and less overwhelming than some of the methods I've seen others do. So like, I think the home edit, um, their TV show, they take everything out of the kitchen and then they, they organize it by category, you know, whatever, whatever, um, which makes a really satisfying before and after if and maybe the the key is that they're paying you know they're no one's leaving that mess there right. um, because they're paid they're being paid to start and finish in the same day but you know like like you said for the rest of us for for us regular uh human beings mm-hmm. you know we've got to go pick up kids at 3 30 or you know the something happens and then you've got this whole big mess and so i think it's that that's, that's a big thing to overcome just being able to. Yeah. I, I think it's too, hard to get started when that's the whole big process, I guess.
1: Yeah. And, and I hear from the number one complaint that I hear from people who, you know, cause people send me all their stories about all kinds of stuff, you know, but one, if, if the complaint that I hear about people who have hired someone to come in and help them is that they pulled everything out, And then, you know, my people are, they have a lot of stuff, you know, this is not like, Oh, my house is nice. Come in and make it nicer. I mean, these are people who are truly desperate. Um, I know is who a lot of people really want to help. They want to help the truly desperate. Right. Um, but it's, it's a huge vulnerable thing to even ask someone to come in and help you. And you know somebody described it recently on a youtube video I thought it was great she said yeah I had a um somebody came in and they left me with a ton of homework mm. like they pulled everything out put everything in piles left and told me it was my homework and now it's been six months and everything is still sitting in those piles and I'm completely paralyzed and I'm just like oh no that's, that's the problem I mean like you homework is not good instead <laughs> that's the whole progress and only progress thing it's it's not as dramatic as the home edit. Like it's not as wow, you know, whoosh, whoosh before and after, but it's amazing when you go, this is what we've gotten done. Like take a picture before you start work for five minutes, throwing away just the trash and take another picture so that they can see, I can do that in five minutes. Like that makes that big of an impact, but there's anyone can do that. Absolutely. So you're teaching, and you're going through these spaces. Now I'm all about decluttering. Like I am not the organizing expert, um, but anybody who organizes will tell you you have to declutter first. You know, but that's the hard part, right? Because it's easier just to figure out how to put everything in all these neat little places.
0: Right.
1: But if they don't have a clutter threshold that can actually maintain that, then that's not actually helpful. That was me before. Is you know, my mother has a very high clutter threshold. She can put things in all these neat little spots. Um, and so she would come in and be my organizer. And I got over time, I got to the point where I didn't even want her to do it because I felt so horrible every single time that I would fail at whatever system that she set up. Um, where in reality, I just needed to have less stuff. Like yeah. the decluttering, which, what it was all about, but she didn't feel like she could get rid of my stuff. So working with someone through the decluttering process, is really a valuable, valuable thing to do.
0: Well, and that's such a good reminder of um, remembering to meet your clients where they are Mm -hmm. Um, as pro organizers that are going to be listening to this. um, Not everyone is going to be thrilled about every step of the process. And so it's, it's your job to help guide them through that, but then also give them the tools and strategies to be able to do it themselves in a, in a way that is like this long-term sustainable thing for them. And, um, I think your methods are, are great and are really accessible. And I loved the, I think you said in towards the end of the book, like it takes you like four minutes to unload the dishwasher. And so like all these, taking all these minutes and just kind of maximizing the minutes because you've already gotten through the layers of clutter. So then it does make just a few minutes here, a few minutes there, make it feel like you're not having to do stuff
1: all the time. Yeah. And I think to you know, making someone feel successful and feel empowered, um, that's not going to hurt your business. I mean, that is only going to help your business because you will be recommended when somebody actually feels like I get it now, you know, I get this, I can do this. And most likely they're going to want you to come back to make it go even faster. And, you know, I mean, like, so it there's such a benefit in really empowering people and teaching them that ways that make them not be intimidated to do this in their home. Yeah. Yes.
0: Um, you had mentioned that there are lots of different decluttering challenges that you hear from people and all sorts of different kinds of challenges. What are some of those decluttering challenges that stand out to you?
1: So I think number one is just getting started that beginning that first step, because they're completely overwhelmed. They've never felt successful before at decluttering Um, And and honestly, the biggest challenge is that when someone is completely overwhelmed in their home, the natural thing that comes out of their mouth is I need to get organized. Like that's what they're thinking when in reality, many of us, okay, our issue was simply that we had more stuff than could possibly ever be organized. Like I didn't understand limits. I didn't understand limits to my space. I just kept bringing stuff in for all my creative ideas. And yet there was no hope. It wouldn't have fit in my house anyway, especially with my personality. So, you know, I call it your clutter threshold and that's the point at which you only have what you personally can handle. And so um, not knowing that, not knowing that it's okay to just declutter first. Yeah. Like let's, let's don't worry about how you're, you know, what you're going to buy to put in your pantry. Let's right. just get stuff out of the house. Um, and that will improve your home. I mean, it really just decluttering made my home, my home organized, you know, cause it made my house look better, function better, feel better, all of those things that I wanted from organizing. I did from just decluttering. So I think that's one of the big challenges is thinking that organizing is the key. And so they go to the store and buy a bunch of baskets, right? I'm going to get organized this weekend. So I'm going to go buy a bunch of stuff. Right. But that uses up all that energy. Right. And by the time they get home, that stuff is just more clutter anyway. Right. Yeah. So that it's, it's that sense. paralysis. It's not knowing where to start. Um, you know, for me, that was my whole house. And so I had to come up with a way to start. So my, my thing, I just chant to myself again, and again, is just do the easy stuff first, do the easy stuff first. And, um, you know, the easiest of the easy stuff is the trash. So like literally I will yes. look for the trash and put it in the trash bag and just doing that reduces the overall volume of the mess, like makes it less visually overwhelming. Yes. And, So with every piece of trash that goes in, first of all, I've moved, I've made some decision-free progress and, um, that space is better than it was before. And then I just keep me moving through the process, which is like easy stuff is next. You know, so it's, it's that having a, a way to get started. The other thing too, I would say is it's a real tendency to, even if your entire house is a disaster and you're embarrassed to open the front door to think that the best place to start is the linen closet. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's just a natural, like, Oh, well I should go to that drawer in the back of my closet and I should work on that. But the reality there is that you're going to spend your time working and then your house is not going to look any better. And it's going to feel like that was wasted time. You know, even if you don't yeah. necessarily say it out loud, it just feels like, well, what was the point of that work? You know? Yeah. Um, so following the visibility rule is really key. And like, let's make visible progress so that you see it. You experience the benefit of this work that you've done and then you're inspired sooner to declutter more, you know, and so then that you actually start to gain that momentum.
0: Well, and I think that's so important too in feeling successful is that visibility, visibility of success and having that momentum that you're like, this is accomplishing something. I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, if you don't mind my asking, do you happen to know your, um, like your Myers-Briggs
1: or your, uh, Enneagram? I am not super into it, but I have taken the Enneagram test and I'm a five. Okay. Uh, investigator, right. Investigator. Okay. Overthinker to the point of not actually taking the action is, is where I go. Okay. Yeah, that is me. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So uh, my daughter, we just went through a process um, with her bedroom and then also uh, the ba- the basement, which is um, kind of my husband's domain, but it's also like the main storage area for the house. Mm-hmm. And my husband and my daughter's personalities are very similar. Um, they're both extroverts. They're both sevens, which is the adventurer on Enneagram. Um, not that I live and die by the Enneagram. I I- it's just... It's, it's helpful in understanding, especially with my husband and I being so very different. It helps yeah. me understand wow. why he does some of the things he does <laughs> and why I do some of the things I do. Um, but something that I've noticed with Genevieve, my nine-year-old, um, I think she's an ENFP. Uh, they did like a, a, a abbreviated Myers-Briggs kids version. So extrovert, intuition, feeling, and then perceiving, which is like spontaneity and all these things, which is the exact opposite of everything I am. I'm very, I'm an introvert and then S T J. So like, I like open and closed. I like, um, you know, if you're going to invite me out to dinner, please do so a month in advance and even better send me a Google calendar invite. <laughs> I do love my Google calendar. invite. Yes. So much. <laughs> I had, my old, so my older daughter, like her room is, she, she is also an ISTJ. And so her room, my home office, our bedroom, like it's all, everything has a place. Every, every, uh, thing has a home, like all of these things. But then my husband, Aaron and Genevieve, Aaron and Genevieve's spaces are just like, and it's been this kind of longstanding struggle Um, I've just given up with my husband, like his, he owns his own dresser. Like, I don't care what he puts on top of it. That's not my problem. (laughs) But with Genevieve, she would get so upset about her room and just kind of the disarray and just whatever, but she's this super creative personality, like always has all these really interesting things going on in her mind. And I remember she actually cried. We watched... I can't remember what, if, if it was on the discovery plus network or what it was, but we watched hoarders and we watched a couple of episodes just because, you know, the drama. <laughs> and one night Genevieve was like, mom, am I a hoarder? And she was crying. And I'm like, no, you're not a hoarder. I don't think you're going to be a hoarder. <laughs> I was like, but, and she just wasn't going through the processes of deciding what to keep, deciding um, where things were going to live. And so I just kind of wondered if there was a personality type that you see that you've either noticed in yourself or noticed in people that you've coached or taught, if there's, you know, something to kind of the,
1: the clutter, the clutter pieces. I mean, we are a lot of fun. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I'll say on that. I'm surprised that at how different we are, like at how many people who are, are like scientists and math professors and, and all that. And a lot of theater arts teachers, you know? And so it's like there, but I do think it's that creative, like, we don't see the world the same way. I was talking with somebody this morning in a strategy session. And we were like, (laughs) we were something about, um, how it's like a lot of times organized people will be like, oh, you can't function in that space. And I'm like, actually, the problem is we totally can. Like we can get totally consumed in a project. Meanwhile, there's clothes all over the floor and we're just able to do this. And so it's like, that's part of the problem. And then all of a sudden, one day we look up and go, oh no, or we can't find our keys or whatever. And so it's, that's, you know, part of the problem. And so like with your daughter, You know that was me. I my mom tried everything. She tried to help me. She was so great, but the one thing that I know now, you know, because this is what I do for a living, is is talk about this step, um, is that she didn't understand I had a very low clutter threshold. She. She had the high clutter threshold. She has the mentality that you need to have everything you can ever need for any situation, but she can also keep it under sure. control. You know, okay. she she can keep it neat. Her house never looks like a bomb went off in there and there's a stuff explosion, like you know, my always did. So I inherited this like, oh, well, I need to have all these things, but I can't keep it under control. And so she would continually try to help me figure out where to put it and how to. Yeah. In reality, I just needed to have less stuff. Yeah. I, so you're always just shuffling it around. Yes, and, and because those. I'm, it is easier for me to just have less, so that when I get caught up in a project and things go, then there's a lot less to put away. And, yeah. and the reality was, is I. I kept on, because I didn't understand that's what was going on. I kept on bringing in more stuff a lot of times because I couldn't find what I already had. Right. And, and in reality, that meant that I had more, even if I was going to ever get to the point where I could put everything away, which the, you know, the more that built, the harder that was ever, you know, going to be for me to be able to do, Right. Um, but there wouldn't have been places for me to put it away because I didn't understand limits. I didn't understand the container concept. Which, I mean, people who don't understand limits, that's a lovely quality, right? I mean, like, really, you know, we see the possibilities in everything. And so we just don't look at the world as this limited, you know, contained place. Yeah. But it doesn't work well in our homes, you know? So um, realizing that, you know, I'm like, okay, I just less stuff. If it's continually getting out of control, that's how I define clutter. Yeah. Anything that continually gets out of control in your home, so it's different for everybody, there's too much stuff, and yeah. so declutter, declutter, declutter until it's you get to a point where you realize, oh, I can keep this under control. Yeah, like this is manageable. Yes, for me, and it's different for every single right. person. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and that's what's been really
0: um, kind of the game changer in helping my daughter come up with her own systems too. Mm-hmm. Is that you know she was. And, and, you know, part of this is being a kid. And then part of it is also just kind of the personality type is that she wanted to keep all of the things that she's ever loved, even though, even if she was already kind of past a certain set of toys, um, she just like, it didn't occur to her to get rid of it, but it really, it really took us figuring out just kind of what system, what language, like how to talk to her, how to relate to her, um, to
1: be able to kind of get past that, That's where the container concept comes in as a language issue that is very helpful because making a value decision about each teddy bear or Barbie is I am a really nice person and I see the value. Like you tell me that broken crayons still color. I believe that in my heart, you know, but the reality (laughs) is I only have a certain amount of space to devote to crayons. And so it's not that this crayon is not valuable. Absolutely. It is. I mean, I could melt them and it's almost Valentine's day and we could make little, you know, crafts, The little heart. Yes. I mean, that's where my brain goes. And so, but the reality is I only have a limited amount of space. And then I realized my whole house is a container. So it's not just the bucket that I have for, um, crayons. It's then the shelf where I have to put the bucket. Because I used to just think, oh, man, that bucket is full. I'm going to go buy two more buckets. Well, then I couldn't fit them on the shelf. And I was like, oh, I've got to get more shelves, you know? And then I would fill up my room and I would think, well, we need a new house. And I'm doomed to be disorganized (laughs) because I don't have enough space, you know? And that was how my brain worked. Um, So blaming the container and being like, okay, well, this is the size of the bucket that we have because this is what we'll fit on the shelf, because this is the shelf that we have in the room, because this is the room we have in the, you know, all those things made me go. oh, okay, well then I can't keep them all. Like it somehow just breaks through those attachments that used to be so strong, I just would be paralyzed, I couldn't do
0: it. Right, well, and that's just kind of, I mean, that's the the art of speaking the language of kind of how you had to talk yourself through it and then how a professional organizer can help talk clients through it is really just understanding where they're coming from so that they can tailor their language um, to what's gonna make the most sense for them this is a little bit different, but kind of similar. I tend to have, I tend to have anxiety and I have to manage my energy. Um, I think somewhere along the road, I think I read this about chronic pain is that you have 12 spoons per day. And if you utilize all your spoons or, you know, you, you utilize six spoons for this and two spoons for this, like you've, you've only got you know, however many left for the day. What I have had to do with myself and my kind of self-talk is energy management of clutter. So what you were just saying about seeing the crayons, thinking about taking them, making them into a craft, it being Valentine's day coming up and creating these little heart-shaped things. Like for me, that starts to give me anxiety because I start to think through all the, the to-dos that have to take place for those things to happen. And then just be like, okay, I'm already exhausted thinking through the steps of gathering all the broken crowns, taking off all the papers, compiling them, getting the right little silicone thingamajig. So you can put them in the oven and then pop them out. And then like all
1: of these things. And I'm like, I don't have that energy. (laughs) (laughs) Like fatigue. And and especially right now, I mean, it's 2022 and we are exhausted as a right. human race. I mean, we are exhausted. And this, I think I know that that is one of the reasons why so many people who always assumed if I was just at home, my house right. would, you know, and yet now they're like, okay, what is wrong with me? I have been home for two years and I can't do this. Well, it's because of the decision fatigue and the, the, right. the idea that dealing with your stuff, your clutter is going to be just a big old pile of decisions to be made. And so like my process takes the decisions out of it. It's just the first three steps have zero decisions. It's identifying trash, identifying what's easy, has a home already. I'm going to take it there. And you know, anything that's just easy to donate and and even the steps, there's no decisions in there. It's all instinct-based, nothing to analyze or have angst over. It's just you know, where would I look for this first? I take it there. If it doesn't, okay. I have to take something out to make it fit. Yeah, I mean, like it's it it just takes all that away because my brain will spin out on all of those possibilities. Yeah. Well, and something worth noting, at
0: least for my type of personality too, is is recognizing what's trash. So if we're if we're looking at the same table that you know the kids art table or whatever, and there are all those crayons in that you know situation we just kind of talked through. Um, I'm, you know, in, in, in a matter of seconds in my brain, I'm going, okay, do I want to take on the responsibility of having this craft? The answer is no, like a real quick, hard, no. And so it's like, okay, those crayons are trash. (laughs) And so it's a knowing yourself and kind of the language to use with yourself too helps you work through those systems easily because someone else, and, and maybe this is the paralysis part too. someone that's more crafty or creative or, you know, tactile in those kinds of projects, maybe they would look at that and think and have to say to themselves, is this a craft I want to take on right now? Is this something I want to do right now? And then that, cause that, that
1: determines whether or not it's trash, right? Okay. Yeah. And I think too, with the trash that can be key. And this is what I hear from a lot of moms working with their kids is I have to let them identify the trash. Like okay. I have to, because if I, because that's where the power struggle comes in, That's so true. In that yeah. Say, what here is trash. Now here's, here's something that happens is yes, you're going to get rid of stuff. Yes. You're looking, but even if you're convinced there's no trash and you still like, even though as the mom, you're thinking there's trash and they're like, there's right. no trash. They've still <laughs> looked at individual items. And so their brain is adjusting from it's a mass of stuff to its individual items. And so then as you work through the process, then, then you're making, you're going to start to identify trash as you go on. And you're like, wait, oh, wait, that was trash, you know, but it lets the person identify trash. Now, here's something that I just started thinking about. And I had a conversation with someone who, you know, had been identified as, as having hoarding disorder. And she, the process really has helped her the five-step process. And the reason, wh- but what she said was, she's like, I can't identify trash. She said, I, I can't do it. Um, if you ask me what's yeah. trash, I don't see that anything is trash. She said, because but. it has value because she yes. can
0: sell it or she can
1: use it. Well, or- even like she, she said, I have to ask myself the two decluttering questions about everything, even like a gum wrapper. I ask myself, where would I look for this first? And then as soon as I asked that question, my brain realizes, oh, that's trash. But when she just was looking for trash, it wasn't obvious to her. Like she couldn't see it. But then when she asked herself that question, the, you know, the first decluttering question, which is where would I look for this first? Then it's like, it just kind of shook through. Oh, wait a minute. I would never look for that. That's trash. Okay. That's brilliant. It's these instinct based answers where the person who has to be the one to let go of this stuff is the one making these decisions, but they're not angsty decisions because otherwise, you know, if you get fixated on that's trash, that's trash, that's trash. Well, you're not getting anywhere. Right. I mean, like, you know, and, and then they're just going to be resistant to anything that you want to help them get rid of. It's like, now they have established that you're the enemy you think I'm dumb because you're calling my stuff trash. You know, I mean, there's just a real pain point that happens there. Right. And there are people, there are professional organizers that
0: um, specialize in specifically those kinds of conditions. Mm -hmm. And then there are organizers that specialize in kind of that, you know, beautifying the, Mm -hmm. all of the things that you have um, into these cute little containers and systems and things. So there's just such a broad range of organizing services that can be offered. And there's such a broad range of people that can be helped. Um, I think that this conversation has been really interesting in thinking through um, as a professional organizer, kind of which which niches or which markets, which people you, you personally help best. So I think it's important to think through that as a PO um, and then putting yourself in that person's shoes and rather speaking to yourself or another potentially naturally organized person using some of the the language that you've used in your resources and really breaking down that process so that um, the people feel like they, they can get organized, that this is attainable. I think that's really helpful. Um, I have a couple of questions um, on like the psychological triggers that get people to start the decluttering process. Are there, I know that there are like lifestyle changes, like, like the big, kind of the big obvious ones, like your mom is moving into an assisted living facility. And so you might need help going through her thing. So you might call Mm -hmm. a professional organizer. Are there triggers that you've noticed um, that kind of, happen that make people want to pick up the phone to to have someone
1: help them with this process? I do think there's I think moving yeah. is you know which this is I don't know I haven't done the research but I mean I just moved and I am like talking to people all the time who have moved in the last two years. I think everybody's kind of like okay now we know what we want because we've been home a lot, you know? <laughs> right. We've been um, stuck in our homes for two yes. years. Yeah. So um moving and definitely not just the helping your mother. Um, but a lot of times people will help their mother and then say, I don't want to do this to my kids, you know, because a lot of your baby boomers right now have just cleaned out their depression era parents right. homes, And so they're, they're like, I'm ready. So I mean, that's a large part of my audience is, is baby boomers. And, yeah, uh, um, you know, but I, I think any type of, life change, you know, yeah. any kind of a, a step like that. Um, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it, it's one of those things where I always found it offensive when people were like, would say things like, oh, I guess they want to live that way. I mean, like most of the people who's oh. home, out of control, they don't want, we don't, we didn't want to live that way like i always hurt my feelings when somebody's like oh because i would nobody ever said it to me because i wouldn't let him in my house with, unless mm-hmm. i'd shoved everything in the master bedroom you know yeah. but um but the, i would hear them say it about other people and i would think no we don't want to live that way we just literally don't get it you know like and so i i think there does come a point of desperation for me it was um when my oldest was a baby so he's 20 now
0: okay.
1: and um And it just hit me that I think his room, I mean, he wasn't even old enough to play with toys, but his room was a mess. And I was like, oh yeah, this was not magically solved by me being home and this being my focus. And so there's something actually wrong with me. Um, Mm. And and so I I think those life transitions, life changes, and just, you know, moments of desperation. I think right now, honestly, people are just desperate to change their houses. I I mean, yeah their houses more livable. And and they may not quite understand yet. They may think that organizing is the answer. Um, when actually they just really need to get rid of a lot of stuff before they can ever really think about organizing, you know? So I think, I think there's a lot of value for, um, professionals, you know, decluttering, coaching, declutter, you know, making that something where you say, this is what we're going to do first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's something that I'm seeing a
0: lot of, um, and, and, it seems like it's it's been, you know, because we've been in our home so much over the last couple of years, um, we've kind of seen, I think maybe we've all had this realization a little bit like, oh, I am home and the house is still a mess. What's, and and we're realizing that the systems or lack of systems don't serve us. And so we were all trying to figure out what would
1: work better. I'm going to tell you, but I am working on a decluttering coaching Certification in my method. Okay. So, um. Anyway, that's gonna great. Be in the
0: next couple of months. But... Okay. Cool. I think that's great. I think that there's so much demand right now for these kinds of organization systems and tools. Whether it's a person hiring someone to help them or going through a course themselves and kind of being taught how to do this, mm-hmm. it just seems like we're kind of in a in a phase. Of, of the world that this stuff is in demand. And so I love that there's a lot of different ways to come at this. And I love that you're, you're offering just a really accessible way to talk about it. It's stemming from you being vulnerable about what you felt was a shortcoming or a, a challenge. You know, you'd said that you'd felt some pretty deep shame about it. Absolutely. And I think, I think that is, is really important because it helps get to the heart of what, you know, what, what clients can feel, how they feel maybe when they're making that phone call and how to, how to speak to them. And that,
1: I think organizers can tell when they walk in, is somebody excited that they're there? or Are they petrified? Yeah. How this is going to go, you know, and, and I would have been the person who was petrified. Like I need help. It was a lot to reach out for this, but yeah. What's this going to be like?
0: you know? Yeah. Well, I think you offer some great resources. I highly recommend your blog and it's a slob comes com. And um, people can find you there. I think we mentioned a little bit ago that there's a ton of blog posts from all the way back to 2009, um, a ton of podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, And then you have a great page. I think it's, is it get started in the navigation or methods, methods, and then get started,
1: I think is maybe the post title. I'm actually having a blog redesign, so it might be different. By the time oh, this okay. <laughs> <But> yeah, <laughs> okay. it'll be the same basic things, but I'm not sure exactly where on the page it'll be.
0: Okay. Perfect. And then um, your new book, which is Organizing for the Rest of Us, which I got at Target and love. Yeah. So you have lots of resources that people organizing their own homes or professional organizers also can um, utilize to better serve their clients. And I appreciate you taking this on and sharing um, your struggle, but then also your gift with the world. Well,
1: thanks I think for having a me. A lot on. of value. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Pro Organizer Marketing Made Simple. Head over to the website for full show notes at proorganizermarketing.com. There, you can also sign up for free tools and resources to grow your business. See you next time.